Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call me 248-545-SOUL. NewSkyRadio.com. Believe. Can you have faith in Einstein, Darwin, and God? Is the struggle between science and religion completely unnecessary? What can the, tra- the paranormal teach us about God? Hello, and welcome to the 175th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those rather unexpected questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Our guest this evening is Dr. Dr. Bernard Heisch, an astrophysicist and author of over 130 scientific publications. He served as a scientific editor of the Astrophysical Journal for 10 years, was principal investigator on several NASA research projects. After earning his Ph.D. from the University of Wisconsin at Madison, Dr. Heisch did postdoctoral research at the Joint Institute for Laboratory Astrophysics in Colorado and at the University of Utrecht in the Netherlands. He has been staff scientist at the Lockheed Martin Solar and Astrophysics Laboratory, deputy director of the Center for Extreme Ultraviolet Astrophysics at the University of California, Berkeley, and visiting scientist at the Max Planck Institute for Extraterrestrial... <coughs> Let me brush up my German here. Extraterrestrial Physik in Garching, Germany. Or perhaps I should say Deutschland. He was also editor-in-chief of the Journal of Scientific Exploration. Before his career in astrophysics, he attended the Latin School of Indianapolis and the St. Meinrad Seminary in Indiana as, the student, as a student for the Catholic priesthood. His first book, The God Theory, received excellent reviews. His, next, his new book, The Purpose Guided Universe, Believing in Einstein, Darwin, and God, came out in May. He's married to Marcia Sims, and they live with their three children in the San Francisco Bay Area. His website, www.thegodtheory.com. Dr. Bernard Heisch, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Well, it's my pleasure to be here tonight. Great to have you. Um, as I said before uh, we went on the air, I've really been looking forward to this show because um, uh, you and I are both seminary veterans. Uh, in, subsequent, in our subsequent careers, uh, yours in astrophysics and mine in journalism and paranormal research, we fascinatingly seem to have come to some of the same conclusions from different directions and sometimes different conclusions from the same direction. So let's Let's uh, start at the beginning. Uh, ben, if you would, please. All right. So, Dr. Heisch, what is the God theory? Well, it's the concept that there may be an intelligence behind the universe. That the universe is not simply a product of statistics. That the universe has finely tuned properties, as we talked about tonight, that really can be best attributed to um, a vast consciousness that's behind the universe. Now, it's also possible to explain the fine tuning of the universe without any of that, but then that's done in this recent book by Stephen Hawking, for example. But I tend to think it's the other way around. We'll, we'll talk about this. Okay. Uh, what is, by the way, uh, Ben has more questions, but it, you mentioned Stephen Hawking. Uh, what is your reaction to his recent comment that uh, God did not create the universe? Or is he well, there's, there's, reasoning in circles? Or... Of course, I disagree with him. But there, there are two ways to look at the fine-tuning of the universe, which is really the critical sort of evidence. It's been discovered over the last 20 or 30 years in astrophysics and physics that the universe has got a whole number of finely tuned properties that make it life-friendly. By life-friendly, I mean to make it conducive to the formation of stars and planets. And presumably, presumably on those planets, we'll find conditions for life to evolve as it has on the Earth. There's probably millions of civilizations out there based on statistics. 
Okay. Uh, uh, doctor, I'm, I'm going to ask you to talk just a little bit more slowly because the audio uh, is, seems to be a slight delay or something. But So just, uh, just speak a bit more slowly. I think people might hear you better. People often say the same thing to me. So, um, so go ahead, Ben. Uh, you have your no another All right. question. So you believe that there doesn't have to be any conflict between science and religion. And why is that? Well, because the basic evidence of science for a Big Bang 13.7 billion years ago, the ancient Earth, uh, Darwinian evolution, those are pretty well-established things. And you don't need to, uh, to throw away the idea of God to, to have those, because I think, in fact, the intention behind the universe is probably one in which God wishes to see experience. The experience has gotten in the universe like ours, where you have life-friendly conditions and all sorts of life forms evolving. On our planet, we have millions of different life forms. We know so many that are in the universe. And so I just, there's, you can accept all the basic, basic foundations of modern science, it still has room for God. Okay. All right. So, what does that do to the multiple worlds interpretation of the quantum physics? Well, let's be careful here. If we're talking about the many worlds interpretation, which is that every quantum split causes a new universe to form, uh, that seems to be a pretty unreasonable conjecture. If that's what you had in mind. There, there are several multiverses that uh, Yeah, well, well, we'll get into some depth on this, but, but, uh, but go ahead. So you're talking about the, the multi-world interpretation and the many-world interpretation of quantum mechanics. That says that every time a quantum event takes place, all the possibilities somehow manifest. And every possibility creates its own universe. And so the tiniest little atomic transition here on Earth can create a new universe throughout the universe. Uh -huh. It really seems pretty far-fetched because this, just think for a second about how many such events might take place per second. There's something like 10 to the 80th atoms in the universe. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. And if each one of those split the universe every second, we'd have 10 to the 80th universes after one second, and then another 10 to the 80th universe is 3 to the 10 to the 80th after two seconds. And pretty soon, you're just you're creating universes one after the other so rapidly, it's impossible to even keep up with. So it's a pretty wild conjecture. Okay, so do you subscribe to... Any ver I'll tell you why we're so hot on, on the MWI, but do you subscribe to... There are a number of interpretations of the MWI, and, and you've extrapolated one of, one of the most common, but do you, do you accept the MWI in any form? No, it seems utterly preposterous to me. Okay, all right. So, then? All right, so what is your approach to the paranormal? Well, I've kind of missed the connection between the paranormal and what we're talking about with the God theory. Okay. Well, in that, well, then maybe I can uh, help bring them together. I'll just, if if I may. Um, and I started in paranormal research forty years ago while I was in the seminary, right? And I had all the assumptions of Western categorical science, okay, and Western categorical theology, okay. And I wanted to make everything fit. I think that 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 is as I've spoken with many. Uh, people in the paranormal realm and paranormal research, whether they have degrees or not, they want to make it all fit. All right. And I assume that Descartes was right. Of course, René Descartes, the great French philosopher, for anybody who doesn't know him personally, uh, his, he wanted to find some way to build a system of thinking and mathematics uh, that could be relatively reliable. So he said, well, okay, well, the basic thing is, well, how do I know anything? Uh, well, you know, I think, therefore, I am. He used that as the basis of his, of his, his uh, the beginning, uh, the foundation of his uh, building a, a structure of knowledge. 
Uh, so I assumed that he was right. Now, even though Chris Descartes, uh, toward the end of his life, as did many great thinkers, such as Thomas Aquinas and others, uh, denied that and said even that wasn't good enough, uh, during his life he assumed that it was. Uh, I assumed that our five physical senses are accurate apprehenders of reality, and I think any one who adheres to modern science, um, uh, if, uh, I, I assume you'll agree with me, Dr. Heisch, is someone who uh, agrees that our five physical senses can apprehend, can measure, can uh, comprehend uh, the meaning of facts or can determine what is a fact and what isn't, et cetera, et cetera. Otherwise, the scientific method is worthless. All right. I mean, would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. Now, I assumed that the wild stuff I and others were seeing in the paranormal, bless you, bless <laughs> <Sorry>. you again, <laughs> uh, must fit in some scientific cubbyhole that just hadn't been discovered yet. And from day one, which for me was 1970, 1971, the things I would see in the trenches in the paranormal made me wonder about all of this. And this is what I mean by the idea that... that you know, many people come, we come to perhaps to the same conclusions from, this, from different directions and, and uh, different ones from the same direction, because I was coming from the same direction, I think, that most uh, theological and or scientific thinkers were coming from. All right. Now, 10 to 15 years into my research, uh, and again, this is in the trenches stuff. I wasn't sitting in a classroom learning physics. I was in the trenches seeing it in action, I believe on a macroscopic level. Now, that, that's a big argument in quantum physics, whether the, you know, the, the, this, this fantasy land you see at the subatomic level can have any effect on, on the level of us and trees and cars and ghosts or whatever. All right. So I began to realize, I think, that what I was seeing didn't fit any Western model. I began to suspect that everything we think we know is wrong. Right? Now, the MWI, this, this many-worlds interpretation, or multiple worlds interpretation, was the only concept that came close to explaining anything. All right. For uh, Let me give you a practical example. Uh, this is the one I use on the show all the time because it's extremely dramatic. Besides, uh, aside from getting hit in the leg by furniture thrown by apparently what were poltergeists, uh, there was a, there was one instance where I stood uh, with six other witnesses, all of whom, except one, were seminary students uh, at, at an abandoned village in Connecticut and listened to an ox cart go by, complete with wooden wheels, hoof beats, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, and the guy yelling to his team and the crack of a whip. And I realized, uh, you know, the usual idea was these, these are spirits of the dead. Well, nobody seemed dead here at all. Now they're spirits of ox carts and wooden wheels. How come we see these people in clothing? Half the time, it, it, and none of it added up. So, what the only thing that made any sense and has ever since is the multiple worlds interpretation in some form. So, what and and now we're getting to the point, and as we prepare for our, our television series, especially, which hopefully we'll get off the ground soon, uh, th that we are actually uh, communicating with not not with dead people, but with uh, people, non people. All sorts of, um, I guess, entities from other parallel worlds that are fully formed don't need to be collapsed as a wave function or are just, seem to be fully realized already. Now, that's what it appears to be. So uh, what say you? And that's where we're coming from. Where does God enter into this in the God theory? Well, certainly, you have a, 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 from our point of view, we have a, a universe where all the conditions are correct, and, and, and it really cannot be anything other than, than what the common term is intelligent design. But what we see 
in addition to that is a magnificent explosion of divine love. In, uh, what, what could be more loving than the variety we see in one world, uh, but to, to explode in, in the sense of creating all possible worlds all at once, to me seems to be the next step if, you're, if that's what, what God intended. I mean, I, I, this is where we're coming from. And uh, what say you? I mean, are we all wet or, or, or are we, are we you know, deluding ourselves? What do, you, what do you think is happening here? Let's just go to the, the basic many worlds interpretation. The simplest one as described, I think, by Hugh Everett when he wrote this up. Yeah. So quantum event causes a splitting of the universe. Well, if there are 10 to the 80th atoms in the universe, that means we have 10 to the 80th universes happening every second. If, if there's, a, say, a split every second, in fact, that's probably conservative. So we wanted a 10 to the 80th version of you and me in the first second of, of the life of the universe, or well, the first second you count this the start. Well, each one of those 10 to the 80th universes will be a 10 to the 80th split itself. And then all those split, no split, no split. And you can't even possibly keep up with the mathematics behind that. So the, the, the many worlds interpretation, as originally stated, seems to be just mathematically preposterous. Now, does that mean there are not parallel universes? I wouldn't say that, no. In fact, I think that really to, to try to find a connection between what you're asking about paranormal phenomena and God, I would suggest we look towards consciousness as the basis of reality. Mm-hmm. And while involve other dimensions and other other parallel worlds, but not the not the numbers behind the many worlds interpretation. Okay. Well we have to take a break right now. We'll be right back with Dr. Bernard Heisch and uh, the Battle of the Idealists when it comes to uh, uh, I think his very beautiful God theory and our very strange experiences in the paranormal try and bring them together. Stay with us behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, CBS New Sky Radio. Be right back. CBS Radio's The New Sky. NewSkyRadio.com. Across the Veil with April Lugo. Join April Lugo each Tuesday night at 7 for Across the Veil. Across the Veil is a show that promises to be a unique experience as April connects and communicates with those who are across the veil. April receives guidance and wisdom from the ancients, angels, masters, teachers, and guides, as well as hearing messages from those who have preceded us across the veil, family, friends, and loved ones alike. The program is an excellent opportunity for you to hear from those who are across the veil. April will be answering questions and giving insight. That's the main reason for the program. Across the Veil at 7 Tuesday on the Sky. Look up to the sky. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Reach out. New SkyRadio.com.
Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. And we are back with Dr. Bernard Heisch on Behind the Paranormal. And our subject tonight is God and the Paranormal. And we've been talking a little bit of physics here, of, of multiple worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics or the many worlds interpretation. And uh, let's back up just a little bit. We started with the idea of, of, of Dr. Heisch's rather beautiful God theory. And um, Ben, why don't you take this, this next question? All right. So um, how do other scientists react to the God theory? Well, it's hard to say because I don't really bring it up very much in scientific conferences. Most scientists are pretty agnostic, some very atheist. So it's not a topic that's very popular. So I try not to bring it up in, in scientific conferences, only to my close friends. I can't really say. I haven't really sought much feedback from my colleagues. Yeah. Okay. Now, we always ask, we always try to go deeper on this show. When you talk about God, what do you mean? What God? Well, that's a good question, a very good question. I'm, I'm talking about what I conceive of as a great intelligence something that is simultaneously greater than infinity and less than zero. In fact, it says in Kabbalah that whenever attributes you give God, he does not have, and whenever attributes you deny him, he has. <laughs> That's true, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are we talking about the God you and I studied in the seminary? or Unlikely, unlikely, because I, I look at God as something much more universal than you find in most religions. Yes. God is being a, I mean, a great intelligence who thought into existence the universe, who thought into existence maybe many universes, but certainly this one, and I think it's impossible to understand the purpose behind it. I think the purpose behind it is to gain experience. I think that we have a, a God that is of infinite potential, literally can do anything, but potential and experience are very different things. 
And so I think this intelligence seeks experience through, through the life forms that exist in the universe, not just human life forms, but plant, animal, alien, whatever. Okay. You're touching on something really fascinating because that has come up on this show before, the idea that, that, that once you expand your theological envelope, so to speak, you might come to the conclusion that there, that there is a, a God who is, just as you say, doesn't know everything just yet, but is experiencing and growing himself or herself or itself through the experiences of his, her, or its creation. I suspect that's the case. Now, of course, I don't know this because God does not communicate directly with me, but I suspect that's the case, that God sort of sets aside a region, some space within himself where a universe can happen. By space, I don't mean a physical space, I mean a metaphysical space, whatever so that requires. And in that space, the universe arises, universe that is life-friendly, that will let life forms arise and evolve, and that will give God the opportunity to, to know himself perhaps even to evolve himself through the experiences of all these creatures who are really nothing but him. Well, th this, this is true. In, in my last book, Turning Home, I, I get into the idea that you know, everyone says, well, you hear, you, well, my wife died and I haven't, I haven't prayed since then, or, or I don't believe in God anymore because I lost my cat. You know, I mean, <laughs> it just, and, and we've all suffered tragedies. But to blame it on God seems to me to be extremely, uh, to anthropomorphize God, ludicrously and it seems to uh to imply that we are entitled to some sort of you know to be healthy you know happy healthy and wise you know and i just i don't understand that reasoning and everyone seems to abide by it. and that seems to be the, the 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 god that they worship is one who was a sort of a giant vending machine and yeah. i i just i just can't uh, can't abide that but ben you came up through you just finished 12 years of catholic school yep and you work with me in the paranormal field, and you see a lot of our theories, at least as we believe, in action, so to speak. What's your reaction to all this? What, um, compared to what you learned in school, what is the, the God you experienced? Um, well, not the God that most of them talked about. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I remember my, my religion class last year, uh, not religion, it was social justice. And, <laughs> like... I don't know, it, we didn't really talk much about God except for, like, all this stuff that was kind of common sense, but it was just a bunch of his, his like, own opinions thrown into everything, and then, I don't know, I don't really remember much, because I didn't, I didn't pay attention to most classes. Oh, here so. we have the, uh, the truth, okay. I just regurgitated what they told me. Yeah, so yeah. That's the only, I didn't, like, put my own personal opinions into things. If I did, I probably would have gotten kicked out of school. Okay. Well, uh, Dr. Heisch, how did your own faith and theology, which are not the same thing, of course, evolve after you you spent you were in the seminary for one year, and your correct. first year of college, correct? Correct. Okay. And how did it evolve after that? Well, first of all, why did you leave the seminary, if you don't mind me asking? I mean, I freely confess that I was thrown out for investigating the paranormal. But... Let me back up and say I probably spent a little more time than that because you should probably count the high school I went to, which was devoted to training this boys wanting to go to seminary. Oh, you also you were in a minor seminary as well. Pretty much. It, oh, okay. Called, yeah, as was I. Sure. It was called the Latin School of Indianapolis. Oh, okay. Five years if you, if you count that. All right. But I guess the things that caused me to leave were just philosophical and metaphysical disagreements with the church. For example, its position on birth control. Okay. Divorce. 
I think the wild birth control is particularly insidious because we have a planet that's really struggling because of the population burden being placed on it. And to say you should not practice birth control, to me, is not just wrong, I think it's a criminal position. Okay. Uh, well, let's get back to the idea of God then, because uh, I think I, we can see very clearly where you're coming from and where I'm coming from. When you, and again, when you mentioned, the reason I asked the question about what God are you talking about is because one often will hear a physicist these days, or a scientist in general, mention the word God sort of off the cuff or without defining what he or she means. Uh, what, when someone, I'm sure you obviously rubbing elbows with scientists as you do, fellow scientists, do you hear that very often, people mentioning God now, or a or something that amounts to God, and, and what do they mean by it? Well, that's that's the problem. One of the reasons that scientists tend to reject the idea of God is because the the concept of God, if you find in the religions, are pretty childish, they're pretty immature. Yeah. They don't make sense, they contradict each other. And so it's very easy as a scientist to say, oh, this is all a bunch of nonsense, listen to it. I think what we need is a better concept of God, and there is one. You simply go back throughout history and look at what's called the perennial philosophy, You'll find plenty of discussion there about what God must really be like and what our relationship to Him is. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's very well put because we are constantly battling stereotypes, and the, the, the stereotypes about God seem to filter down into every aspect of society. Because uh, God is, is is probably a society's understanding of God, in my opinion, is the root of its understanding of itself. I think, you know, and, and when you have the, the, these almost goofy notions anthropomorphic notions, and, and for those who don't know what anthropomorphism is, it's a, it's a, a theological term, I guess, uh, that has to, to do with, with applying human uh, characteristics and motivations to the divine, or to God in particular, or gods, or whatever you happen to believe in. And, I th and, and we are constantly running into it uh, in the form of, as what I started out saying, the, the, the assumptions of the Western mind, uh, or, or even in the paranormal. Well, yeah, something weird's going on. It's, it has to be the spirit of someone who's died. We don't know any such thing. As a matter of fact, I don't think we know anything, period. But we're not going to get past that without opening up to realize that there are other ways to understand things. So I, I know just what you mean. On the other hand, we, when we often discuss, for example, I can imagine Ben in his, some of his classes discussing the great minds of the Western world. Uh, Eastern. And, and, oh, oh, I'm sorry, or the way the Eastern world, in your case, the Chinese history. And you, you run into someone, say, uh, like uh, uh, Trotsky or Lenin, who are supposedly intelligent people. But uh, to me, I, mean, I have a problem with anyone who misses the entire point of the universe, which to me is God. And they dismiss it. I mean, how, how can they be intelligent? So, I mean, one, one, does, one, one can transfer that perhaps to scientists who are agnostics or atheists. I don't believe in atheists. I don't think there is any such thing. Uh, once you get down and ask them what God they don't believe in. I mean, do you follow, I mean do you, am I right? I, mean, I think one has to intelligently decide what not to believe as well as what to believe. That's right. I mean, God is sometimes pictured as sort of an irrational Santa Claus in the sky. Exactly. It makes very little sense. Yes, but that's true. I think a better concept of God would go a long way towards resolving this animosity between science and the spiritual. Mm -hmm. and I think that the big, a big problem in all this is religions themselves. I think religions as institutions have done a very poor job overall. They tend to contradict each other. They, they sometimes hate each other. In the worst cases, they even kill each other. Oh, well, yes. In the Middle East. One, sure. one fact of Muslims is murdering another, and vice versa. Yeah. It's really insane. So I think this better concept of God is the key that I think will try to um, 
it opened the door to better better cooperation between investigations of science, investigations of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Well, certainly, uh, one of the arguments we use is that we should respect our elders, so to speak, meaning our ancestors. We, uh, when, when we present various concepts, uh, various, sometimes listeners will call and say, they will expect me to adhere to a more traditional Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox point of view. And when we seem not to, people get irate with us because they knew that I was in the seminary. Well, how, well you know, didn't you learn anything? Well, yeah, but I, you know, I learned more than, more than they intended to teach me, I think, as did you, Dr. Heiss, you know. And, and I think that, uh, nevertheless, we have thousands of generations before us who believed in God, who believed in the paranormal, who believed in things that, that are questioned in many ways, uh, with the exception of a few ancient philosophers, are, are questioned only by modern society, really, or you know, going back maybe to the, the Enlightenment of the, eight, you know, the 18th century. And uh, so it seems to me that, that, that with the amount of witnesses and the, and the number of generations behind us, the burden of proof is on the skeptics, to me, or, or the skepticemics, as I sometimes call them. <laughs> so and you, what, do you, what, what say you? Well, I say that the, there's actually evidence for what, what God is, and that's in the transcendent experiences that people have had throughout the ages. You know, the scientists, mystics, ordinary men and women have had experiences where all of a sudden the time and the universe have opened up in a way that conveys knowledge that's deeper than anything that we know. Uh -huh. Knowledge that uh, you, 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 you rather doubt that one plus one equals two than doubt the, the, the knowledge you get during one of these moments of transcendent experience. And in those moments, people report that they discover that when they're, they're looking for God outside someplace, they discover to their surprise that God is within. That Absolutely. God is the same with their own consciousness. And I think that's the, the key to unwrapping this mystery of who we are and what God is. God really is us. We, I guess God is materialized as us in order to have experience. And by us, I mean everything, not just every living thing, not just human beings. Sure. Oh, no, that's, that's very well put. Uh, again, the stereotypes get in the way. Uh, there, there's one one turn of phrase that I used on the show one time, and it, it evoked all sorts of emails. And and then I said, you know, whatever you believe God is, God is closer to you than you are to yourself. And, and that's and yeah, I suppose you could interpret that as as a word puzzle or game. But people wrote in. They said. What a concept. I mean, to me, it seems very obvious. I mean, where else would God be? You know, but people have this notion of God being separate from us. And again, it's, I still think it's the Western categorical uh, thinking, this categorical habit of dividing things uh, rather than putting them together. And I don't know, we find that in the paranormal all the time. What these psalms are so depressing. Yeah. Thank you, Monty Python. Anyway, we're down to one minute. We have another break coming up, but we'll be back uh, very shortly here with uh, Dr. Bernard Heisch, our good friend, and talking about God and the paranormal and what it takes to see through the baloney. And we'll be right back behind the paranormal on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. Stay with us. CBS Radio's The New Sky. NewSkyRadio.com. This is The Lisa J. Smith Show. So you say you want to be a rock star, so why don't you go ahead and be one? This is Lisa J. Smith. You can listen to me every day at 3 o'clock Eastern. Lisa J. Now, right here at CBS Radio, The Sky. Look up to the sky. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Reach out. NewSkyRadio.com. My best friend gave me the 
CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And welcome back. We're talking this evening with Dr. Bernard Heisch, astrophysicist and also a former seminary student like myself. And we're talking about God and the paranormal and God and science and the... Uh, needlessness in our opinion of a battle between science and religion that is so often set up in our society and it really doesn't even have to be there now before we get into uh, I wanted to get into the near-death experience I just wanted to perhaps clarify uh, our ideas on why science and, and and religion do not have to to battle one another and I think if you maybe if you wanted to sum it up by saying that that we could just um, if we get through get rid of the stereotypes and realize that God is bigger than then maybe uh, we think he is, then our problems begin to, to decrease. So would you say that that's correct? 
Yeah, I would. I'd say that uh, the, the God I'm proposing is one that's behind the origin of the universe, not behind any of the uh, not behind any of the intelligent design concepts of trying to modify life forms or fool around with fossils or anything like that. Rather, God is the intelligence behind the universe that 13.7 billion years ago caused a big bang to happen. There's nothing unscientific about that because we have no other explanation anyway. Sure. There is a, a bit of a, not to belabor the point, but there is a, there is a bit of um, of feeling that, uh, actually, well, there are some numbers, too, to back it up, that there has not been enough time. The Earth, the Earth has not existed long enough for evolution in the, the Darwinian sense to have occurred entirely by chance. I mean, is that is that correct? I mean, you know, was the, 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 someone starting the ball rolling it really seems to have been a necessary ingredient, given the time involved. Well, I, would, I would not agree with that. I would say there's been plenty of time. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it's just uh, one of the thoughts we sometimes run into. All right. Now, uh, as far as uh, in the things like the well, transpersonal psychology deals with things like the uh, near-death experience. What would you say about that? As far as 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 a as a phenomenon, I mean, have you much experience with it? Uh, what do you, how would it fit into the God theory? Well, of course, it's never happened to me, but there are a couple of things that it's relevant to. One is that, if from that vantage point, that uh, that sometimes people report when they float above their bodies during a near-death experience, they see things that could not possibly be seen by from the location of their body. There's pretty good evidence that what they're experiencing is real, not just a matter of, of uh, imagination. And so there's real hard evidence, I think, there from the reports, some of the reports anyway, that people have seen something in another room. Or just seeing something that couldn't possibly be seen, no matter what, even though even if they were conscious from the vantage point of their bodies. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty solid evidence that something real is going on. And then, in a the more deep, a the more deep level, it's uh, certainly an indication that consciousness is able to access something and go to some realm that may well have to do with where we go after death. That points to the fact that we are more than simply physical creatures. Yeah, one of the well, having been a one of the things I did to prepare for work in the paranormal you know, during the seminary and afterwards was working in psychiatric hospitals. And, and this is, we're talking about the late 70s here, uh, when there were far more inpatients than there are today. So I stood at many deathbeds and saw a number of things that would really back up what you just said and that would just amazingly move any human heart. Uh, this, of course, is in the presence of doctors and nurses and things of that kind. Uh, one of the more beautiful experiences that I sometimes talk about on the show was that of a, of a man who was dying. This is at Ogdensburg State Hospital in New York State, and he was um, paralyzed from the neck down, an uh, elderly gentleman in the late 60s. And he was dying and not expected to live for more than another few minutes, really. He suddenly opened his eyes, s- sat up, which he could not physically do, said, Abba, Ba. And I did not know Hebrew at the time, but in Hebrew, that means essentially daddy is coming. It's a very familiar and and intimate form of father, Abba. And he fell back down on the bed and and died. And and, and there was a beautiful feeling in the room, almost an aroma of, of, I can't describe it. It was a beautiful experience, simple, and obviously some sort of near-death experience uh, going on for this gentleman. He He was Irish. You know, I'm sure he didn't, he didn't speak Hebrew, but he couldn't really say much of anything. So, uh, again, uh, things that go beyond our understanding, uh, things that show us that perhaps we use more than our brains, we also use our hearts. 
uh, I suppose. So, uh, but the near-death experience being, a, a, scientifically speaking, to me, an interesting phenomenon because uh, wouldn't you say that from the viewpoint of Darwin, all things that, that we have evolved to be or instincts that we have, have evolved are, are essentially based on survivability, right? Well, yes, I think though, at the very level of human consciousness, we might have to look a little bit deeper. Certainly our, our physical body forms are, ma- are manifestations of evolution. There's no doubt about that. And some of our basic characteristics are. But to try to explain all of consciousness that way, I think then you have to look, take a broader view and ask, well, what are we? Are we simply physical beings? And the answer to that, I think, is no. So if we're not, then our consciousness comes from somewhere else. And that consciousness is a not subject evolution. So I see our body forms as being the, the product of evolution in some aspects, I suppose, of our behavior. But really, at a deeper level, we are conscious spirits that inhabit physical bodies, in my view. Okay, now uh, we, uh, we've come right back to where we started in the first position uh, we took in the show, and, and that was intentional, I guess, on my part, now that we've done some extrapolation. We, with this multiple worlds thing... Uh, you have made the, the excellent point that our, our universe seems to be very well constructed or perfectly constructed to maintain our form of life. But what we encounter in our paranormal work is many other kinds of life, many other forms of life. You know, they hear life as we know it, and we send things to Mars, and they dig around, and, oh, no life as we know it. Well, what about life as we don't know it? And many of these other universes that we seem to encounter in our paranormal work, you know, when you get past the ghost stuff and the spiritualism nonsense in the seance room you discover a whole cosmic journey out there that you're taking that that, that seem to uh, bring us into contact with many other forms of life in many different kinds of worlds and one of the premises of some interpretations of the MWI is that there are different laws of physics well I'd agree with that I'm not ever claiming that evolution literally led to us as human beings I think we could have wound up much differently than we are Mm-hmm. So I'm not ever claiming that God designed the universe to lead to us, us meaning us human beings. I think the universe was created leading to life, and life forms that evolve. But the, the exact nature of those life forms, the specifics, that's the product of evolution. That's not the product of God's tinkering. In the I hear you. Yep, I'm with you. Okay, no, I'm with you there. Now, when you were in the seminary, uh, and, uh, what exactly is your interest in the paranormal, or do you have an interest in the paranormal as such? Well, I was editor of the Journal of Scientific Exploration for, for 10 years, 12 years, actually. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. I certainly had a lot of papers on the paranormal coming across my desk. Now, I had to decide whether they were real or baloney. Okay. I and got a lot of baloney. That's some really weird stuff. What, in this field, baloney? you got to be kidding. I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I got to know quite a few of the people in the business. Got to know some of the really respectable people, like uh, Hal Putoff, Russell Targ, and the people associated with the remote viewing programs with the... Uh, that the Army carried out, the Army and the NSA carried out. So I've gotten to know quite a few of the characters that actually did research in this business, and that's been very impressive. Mm-hmm. Well, that, well that, that's for God. I didn't realize you edited that. Okay, well, when, uh, when you were in the seminary, did you have an interest in the paranormal? It was there in the... Well, it was somewhat there, but it wasn't really expressed very well. I didn't know of any sources of information. Okay. Um, I didn't really investigate it at that, at that time, no. Well, I did, the reason I ask is I'm just uh, uh, from personal interest in, uh, you know, if anything awful happened to you, has happened to me. No, no, no. Yeah, okay. Well, okay, well, I, okay, well, I, you remained respectable, I guess. Um, okay, now, uh, when, uh, what are we looking at here? Okay, uh, 
What, what do you think of, uh, do you know Dr. Persinger? Oh, I'm sorry, we have to wrap for a break. I'm sorry, I almost missed that. But when we come back, I'd like to talk about Dr. Michael Persinger and his work and, and uh, would be God Helmet, things of this kind, and see what uh, Dr. Heisch's reaction is to that. I'm Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. Stay with us. Psychic Radio. Psychiconair.com. The Wake Up Call with Ellen Tom. I know the torment that I put my mother through, and I've seen the lessons that she's brought to you, so I love you. And I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm sorry. She feels your pain. I'm yes. so, well, I actually do from a distance. Now that I'm Auntie Tweaker, I can understand that it's it's not always pretty. Hi, it's Tom Forrest. Reverend L. Newman and I are here Monday nights, 7 till 9, primetime Eastern Time in the United States, with Wake Up Call on Psychic Radio. Psychic Radio. We know you're listening. Life is a journey. Let us be your guide. Reach out on the net now, psychiconair.com. Look for Psychic Radio on your AOL radio player.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. And we are back behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our guest, Dr. Ber- uh, Dr. Bernard Heisch, originator of the God Theory, author, astrophysicist. And Dr. Heisch, let, let's get back to talking a little bit about the uh, problem between religion and science. Very often, uh, I think that people have to have all sorts of preconceived notions about God and about science in order to find a, a problem between the two. Uh, Perhaps could you just pin down the idea of how we can overcome this? You know, simply by doing what? Expanding the envelope of our understanding of God and what? How do we? Why is there no need for battle between these two children of the paranormal, if you would? Well, we need things should happen on both sides. On one side, we need for the religions of the world to come up with a better concept of God, a more believable one. Well, I think it's actually unlikely that we do that. So what I'm actually hoping is that religions do kind of fade into the background and people develop their own spirituality based upon you know, what can arise in their own intuition and what they can discover through reading, especially reading the, the accounts of people who have had transcendent experiences and mystical experiences. So on the one hand, we need a better, a better uh, view of God. On the other side, on the, on the science side, we need less dogmatism there too. We need to take seriously a view such as the one that... Uh, James Dean proposed a number of years ago. He was a very famous British astrophysicist. He wrote that the universe begins to look more like a great thought than like a great machine. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. In fact, I, my God theory and the purpose God of the universe have written about this. I think the universe really is the product of an intelligence, of a consciousness. If you look at consciousness as the basis of things, that's pretty heretical in science. You're not even sure how to do that in science. But I think this is where the discoveries of the future are going to come from. There's not a reality that is part of the consciousness, not the consciousness, and phenomenon of brain chemistry. The approach to religion that you advocate, and I must say that I have great sympathy with, tends to be very pantheistic, you know, seeing God in all things and all things as part of God. When we look at James Lovelock, uh, the originator of the, the Gaia hypothesis, not the Gaia theory, uh, his he stops short of of saying that the the world or the biosphere at least is a conscious organism. W- w- what say you about all that? I mean, you, you mentioned consciousness and the kind of pan the pantheistic way. Do you think that the biosphere is a conscious entity? Well, I think everything is a part of part of God's consciousness. It's sort of a thought in God's mind, and so everything, by almost by definition, has to be part of God because what else is there? Yeah. If, if there's God, there's something else. I would say, no, there's nothing else. So everything we see has got to be made up of God stuff. I mean, even atoms. Are atoms conscious? Well, you know, at the most minuscule level, I suppose, I might say, well, as a thought of God, yes, but really, no. So I think we have to think of, of all of creation, everything we see around us, as being a manifestation of God. And that way, um, that way God is in everything, but not in, not in a way that is in any way, well, that diminishes from us. Well, you've just extrapolated extremely well from a scientific point of view, what we see all the time in the paranormal, and that is it, has, it bears a message of, of unity because we see the same energies running through all these things. We see people stretching out their hands to help one another across the what we interpret as the boundaries of other worlds, uh, regardless of time, space, 
And it's rather a beautiful concept, I think, that, that can transform human thinking and human existence. So, I mean, I think that it's really a, a marvelous w way to, to understand it and, and to put it and to expand our, our thinking uh, beyond the uh, uh, categorical baloney, as you say, of, of what we have believed in the past and the limited way we believe it. Well, Dr. Heisch, we're coming down to the end of our show, and we wanted to thank you for an inspiring conversation, very informative one. And why don't you tell us a bit about, uh, about your books and your website and what you're working on? Now, the website is www.thegodtheory.com. It's thegodtheory.com. You'll find the preface to both of the books there, which you can read, a table of contents, and, of course, the links you can click on all of the books. Uh, the newest book came out a few months ago. It's selling pretty well. The other one, The God Theory, came out back in 19, uh, rather 2006. Book. Excellent book. So uh, both these books are kind of the project 30 years worth of thinking about this in my part. So a lot has gone into these books. And, uh, I put my heart and soul into it. So actually, I urge your listeners to go out and get a copy. Okay. Very good. Well, and what are you working on next? Uh, will you be speaking anywhere um uh, soon, or, or, or is that, that information is on your website? What, what, what are you working on? What's your next project? It's coming up at the Institute for Neurotic Sciences in about three weeks. Okay. Hosted by Deepak Chopra in, in uh, January. I'll put information on, about those on my website. Excellent. Very good. Well, thank you, Dr. Heisch, again for, for uh, honoring us with your presence, and we hope to have you back soon. Have a good one. It'll be fun. Thank you. Okay. So don't miss our New England Drive Time show in the Boston Providence Worcester Triangle. On WOON, 1240 AM, and ONWorldwide.com, tomorrow at 6 PM Eastern. And also tomorrow, at the National Press Club in Washington, several of our regular guests will lead a conference on UFOs and nuclear weapons. This will include retired Colonel Charles Halt, an eyewitness of the an eyewitness to the RAF Bentwaters UFO incident of 1980, and UFO and weapons expert Robert Hastings. Watch for coverage in the media, and we'll report on it if and nobody else does. I'm sure hope other people will. I uh, wanted to mention, too, our good friend Dr. Phil Imbrogno, if you are in the Connecticut area by any chance, uh, is going to be giving a history of sightings, uh, UFO sightings in Connecticut and New York. And uh, that'll be on at the Silas Bronson Library on October 23rd. Great, okay. so don't forget all our podcasts. They're available at newskyradio.com or at our show website, behindtheparanormal.com. Okay, and many thanks to our producer, Will Kosnick. We'll see you right here next Sunday, October 3rd, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. And uh, we'll be talking with an anonymous police officer from Vermont, and we will be discussing the haunted policeman case, one of Ben's first cases. And uh, there we are. So our quote for this evening is from J. Edgar Hoover, supposedly. And he's referring to the Roswell crash of 1947. Quote, I must insist upon full access to discs recovered. The Army grabbed one, would not let us have it for cursory examination, unquote. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>